A lot of the content that I post on LinkedIn is original content, uh, content that I created. But often I look at content created by others and I comment and I, and I go into interactions with them, uh, maybe add my perspective. And this time, this episode is actually based on an interaction that I had after I saw a post from Liz Ryan. Liz Ryan is considered a thought leader in the area of human resources. And what she posted was that a resume gap means that I took time off work. What was I doing? It's my personal life and therefore none of your business. And obviously that's taking the perspective of a candidate that has uh, a gap year or a resume gap, which means that there are a few years in the in the resume that are not accounted for. So like, you, you know where I worked until 2012 and then you know where I worked from 2015, but there is a gap between 2012 and 2015. And uh, maybe it's a personal gap. Uh, I I don't know what I was doing and, and I didn't, I, I took that time off. And uh, it's none of the uh, hiring manager's uh, business. I got into an argument uh, on LinkedIn and uh, frankly, going into the argument made me see, made me see, not hopefully the, the others based on my comments, but made me see that there are two sides and there are two issues here. And that's what I'll cover in this episode. What does gap year or a resume gap have to do with trust? Right after this. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? There are two main issues with the whole topic of a resume gap. Um, one of them is personality compatibility. And a few of the, the considerations with personality compatibility, personality compatibility is one of the most important component of trust. Uh, it's the fact that we're compatible. We don't have to be identical, but we have to be compatible. I need to know that I can, if I'm a hiring manager, I need to know that I'm, I can work with your personality and vice versa. You as a candidate need to know that I, that you can work with my personality. I think that one thing that's happening, especially with social media and, and our digital footprint is that the lines between the personal and professional lives are blurring. You know, I understand the none of your business. I understand this is personal. This is not professional. But if you want to build trust, th that line between you, who you are in person outside of work and who you are at work, that line is blurring. So let, let me ask you, if, if uh, we should separate personal from professional, is it okay if I run a credit report? Because, you know, it's important to me to know how you pay your car loans or, or your uh, mortgage or anything else, because that would reflect on what you would do at work, because you're, you're still the same person. Is it okay? Because that's personal. Your credit report is personal. But but I'm still going to run it, and, and I'm asking you uh, for your permission to run it. Is it okay that I look at your overall social media footprint? You know what? I do that. When I have to interact with someone that I have to trust, I want to see who they are in their personal life. 
And, and therefore I do. I, I look at their social media footprint. Is it okay? I mean, you posted stuff there on Facebook. So that, that's one component here, personality compatibility. The second component is that the first impression, the first impression and, and making assumptions. So before trust is built between a hiring manager and a candidate, because when I interview you, I can do that based on or, or the level of trust that I have in you. Because, you know, when, when I did my study, I found that trustworthiness is uh, one of the most, well, it is actually the most important quality in other people. But I don't know anything about you. So I, I don't know if you're trustworthy. And, and this therefore, I have to resort into two sets of components into the what I know about you and how you interact with me. So what I know, uh, who you are and what you do. And when we meet for the first time, other than who you are, what I know about you based on your references, uh, who I may have already talked to, based on, you know, your social media footprint, credit report, uh, background check, whatever. uh, Other than that, I don't know everything. And, And when I look at your resume and there are, there is a resume gap there. There are a few years that are not accounted for. What what do I do? The first impression is that there's something missing here. We need a certain amount of information to feel safe. It, it's as simple as that. It's, it's to feel safe. What if we don't have that information in the form of facts? You know, when you submit your um, certificate of some kind of a certificate, then I'm going to consider that a fact. Of course, even that fact can be... Uh, uh, you know, forged and, uh, you know, you could have printed it yourself or whatever. I, I haven't checked with the university, really. But uh, let's say that I can consider that a fact. What's missing, I will complete because I need a certain amount of information. If you don't give it to me as a fact, then I need to make assumptions. You know something? The first time that uh, I used, or one of the first times I used the word assumption here in the U.S., the first company I worked for, my boss said, stop saying I assume, I assume, I assume, because when you assume, if you break the word assume, you make an ass of you and me. Okay, that takes a second to get. But uh, so our assumptions are probably typically wrong. And for whatever I think the reason for your resume gap is, there are multiple possible other explanations for that gap. Doesn't stop me from making an assumption. So I want to address that because when I replied and and I brought up those points, uh, the reaction was, uh, hey, uh, the candidates cannot control what the hiring manager is thinking. Uh, The candidate cannot control the assumptions that they're making. And it is personal. It is my personal life. It is none of your business, period. Uh, And I think that if we look at it from two different perspectives, there are going to be two different answers to it. So I'm going to look at it from two different perspectives. I'm going to look at it from the perspective of hiring or guiding a hiring manager on how to deal with a resume gap. And I'm going to look at it from a candidate's perspective on how to make sure that a resume gap is handled appropriately by the hiring manager. Because yes, there are things that you can do to affect it.
Let's start from the perspective of the hiring manager. Let's say that I'm guiding you, the hiring manager, you're about to hire someone and you see that they have a resume gap. There are a few years that cannot be accounted for. First of all, I need you to know that you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what that gap is. There are multiple possible explanations to what that gap is. It could vary from I had to take off my uh, take care of my my older parent, a dying parent, and and I had to do that uh, for the last two years, knowing that I'm sacrificing my own uh, financial uh, uh, well being. Is that a reason not to hire that person? No, it's not. Maybe I got a certain certification that I just didn't put in my resume, a certification that could apply to actually what I do. You know what? Maybe it's a certification that had absolutely nothing to do with what you're going to hire that candidate for. But still, the fact that you know that that uh, certificate now exists, you may be thinking better of that candidate. You don't know what you don't know. And because of that, you're making assumptions. Because again, you need to feel safe. And in order to feel safe, you need to have enough information. And what you don't have is a fact you make up. But your mind says, well, now I have enough information. Except your assumptions are probably more likely to be untrue than to be true. You know, in in my workshops, one of the examples that that I give is... uh, you know, let's say that you have a pool that needs to be renovated and you reach out to uh, several companies, you you boil it down to three companies, you invite three salespeople or even the owners of the companies to come and, you know, take measurements and, and make proposals, makes offer, make offers. And I describe those three people coming to sell you. One of them shows up in a beat up, really old Toyota Corolla. You know, parts of the car are already falling and, and are rusted. And uh, the second one comes in with a, um, you know, I, I use a Bentley or a, Cor- a Corvette, something, let's say something north of like $150,000 car, sports car, right? And the third person shows up with something that looks like a three, four, five year old. Ford F-150 pickup truck that seems to be in well condition. Um, I mean, it looks pretty good. Which one would you hire? If you know nothing else about them and you have to make the decision right now, so I, I don't know why, but you have to make the decision right now. Who would you hire? The person who comes in with a beat up, old, very not well-maintained um, Toyota Corolla, the person who comes in with, uh, you know, let's raise it, let's let's say a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, um, or the third person that shows up with a uh, Ford F one fifty, a truck. It's like almost always the the answer that I get is I hire the person with the truck. Why do you hire the person with the truck? Well, the car is very sensible. A truck is very sensible for this role. It looks relatively, relatively new, you know, three, four, five years old. Heck, I'm driving a almost nine-year-old car Um, that that looks good. The one with the beat-up old Toyota Corolla that's rusted, well, they're not taking care of their car. They're probably not making enough money. Uh, They're probably, um, you know, they're not very successful. People don't want to go with them. The person that comes in with the Lamborghini or the Ferrari and all, well, they're show-offs. 
maybe they're too expensive. Maybe they're too cheap on the the components and the labor that goes into uh, the materials and the labor that goes into my pool. Uh, people don't trust them. And they end up choosing the one with the uh, Ford F-150 uh, pickup truck because it's the most sensible and, and it looks like this is somebody who's who knows what they're doing. You know nothing about them other than the cars. And yet you're making assumptions. So the first thing as a hiring manager is I want you to know that you don't know what you don't know. I want you to acknowledge that you are making assumptions and actually identify what is it that you're making as an assumption. And since we're talking about something very specific here, we're talking about a resume gap. I know that you're starting to think, well, maybe they didn't work. Maybe they lost a job and it took them three years to find another job. And because of that, um, they are not, uh, you know, they, they were unemployed for three years. But you don't know that. You're making an assumption. So it's really important that you acknowledge that you're making an assumption. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that I'm going to say, well, to make sure that this is not an assumption, uh, let's ask about it. I think that asking is okay, but you have to be careful of two, several things. One of them is um, when you ask, Asking is one thing and, and almost forcing the candidate to tell you is a different one. You have to keep in mind that you're in a position of power over the candidate. And because of that, they may feel obligated to tell you something. Not because they trust you. You know, trust comes or, or vulnerability comes with trust. Telling me something that's very personal uh, and, and that's very hard to tell is what I would call vulnerability. And I found a correlation of 240% between that and the level of trust that you have uh, or that the candidate has in you. Okay, so when you ask them, they may not feel comfortable telling you because, you know, they don't trust you yet. Your relationship is only starting and it's going to go up 240% once they trust you, but you're not there yet. I remember once uh, I was uh, waiting for someone in a restaurant and uh, in, in the table next to me were two people, a man and a woman. The woman was very obviously pregnant. And from the conversation, it's not like I was eavesdropping on their conversation, but but it's, you know, it's the next table and I'm still waiting for someone. So I can not hear what they're talking about. And it appeared that he was a hiring manager and she was a candidate. And they were meeting in the restaurant and uh, he started asking her, you know, how far along are you and so on. And, and I was kind of, you know, at that point I was looking at her and she answered, but I could feel that that was not voluntary vulnerability. It was involuntary vulnerability. And that's different. So you have to keep in mind that, um, you know, the, when you ask them, even if you you feel that you're asking in a way that gives them the opportunity to say no, keep in mind that there is no symmetry. There is an asymmetry in the relationship between you and the candidate in which they may do more than they feel comfortable with simply because of that asymmetry. You have their future in their hands. 
this is pretty low in the uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They need to be able to pay rent. They need to be able to pay their mortgage or whatever. Um, and you hold the key to that. And so they may be more vulnerable or be willing to be more, more vulnerable. I, I'm, I'm not going to say willing, but force themselves to be vulnerable more than they would feel comfortable. Uh, so you have to keep that in mind when you ask. And, and when you ask, ask it in a way that would make them still feel comfortable. And the reason, you, you may want to just say, hey, listen, it, it's just that I don't know what the reason is. And I need to know it's not a reason that would disqualify you as a candidate. And you'll see when I talk about the candidate, what should the candidate do in this point? But the next thing I'll tell you is, other than those gap years in the resume, how is that candidate? You know, um, is everything else uh, in order? I mean, is, is it everything else is bad and and now we have, on top of all of it, we have this, this resume gap. But if the candidate is good in every other aspect, you, you may want to wonder. And, and of course, you did look at their social media footprint and, uh, and maybe you've run already a uh, background check. And so you know that everything else, personality, uh, ethics, integrity, everything else, you know that it's good. The only question is, is that gap here, is it that important? And if it is, if if there is something that really scares you, that this could be the reason. So really ask yourself, is there an explanation of the gap years in the resume that would disqualify them in your eyes? Is there? I mean, is there something, one explanation that if that was the explanation, you would say, no, 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 then I'm not hiring you. I mean, obviously, the reason I gave you before, I needed to take care of a dying parent. Um, would that disqualify anyone from working for you? No. It shouldn't. So ask yourself, Are there? Is there anything that would disqualify them? An explanation that would disqualify them? And then maybe instead of asking, what have you done in those three years that are not accounted for in your resume? Maybe you just ask, in those three years, the one thing that worries me the most is if you actually work for a competitor of ours. In those three years, did you work for a competitor of ours? That's a much easier answer, a question to answer for a candidate. No, I, I can't tell you. I don't feel comfortable enough telling you that. But I didn't work for a competitor. Wouldn't that solve your problem? Because that's the one explanation that would disqualify them. And it's not the case. So at that point, I can say, you know what? Forget the, those gap years. They're irrelevant. Because the, the one thing that scared me, it's not that. Now let's look at it from a candidate's perspective. You know what? It's not their business. If you're the candidate and you're applying for a job and uh, they ask you about the, this resume gap, you know what? You are 100% right. It's not their business. That's true. Question is, do you want to get the job or do you not want to get the job? You can't control what they think. Do you want to be the one shooting yourself in the foot because uh, your attitude is it's not their business? Even though you're right, it's not. 
look, you can't control what that they make assumptions. They make assumptions to feel safe because they need an amount of information. There is a missing piece of information. It's important enough for them. What they can't feel with get with facts, they would feel with assumptions. You can't control them. You can't control what they think you took those gap years for. You can control that. There's no doubt. What do you do if they ask you? Well, the first thing you can do is just say, as I saw recommended uh, very strongly on LinkedIn in response to Liz's uh, comment, is you can say, it's none of your business. And again, you would be right. It's not. And you may not get the job because of it. And there are several reasons why. One is because you're forcing them to make assumptions. You know, here's an assumption. You want to get the job? Why did you not work between 2012 and 2015? I think it might be that you were fired in 2012 because of embezzlement. And it took you three years to find another job that actually did not ask or did not do a background check on you. That's what I think. That's why I think uh, you have a gap in your resume. You can't stop me from it because, frankly, you're not offering anything else. And you know what? I'm not hiring you if I think that this was that you were fired from a job and could not find another job for three years because of the way you were fired. Of course, I can check that, but maybe I won't. Maybe all I need is just that first impression that's good enough for me, and it's based on an assumption. Another reason why you might get the job is I may be fine with, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about what you did in those three years. What I'm more worried about is that you're, you're not a transparent person. Yes, you draw a very hard line between your personal and professional life. You don't want to talk about anything. You're not a very transparent person. And frankly, building trust means uh, trust to some extent is built on transparency. Maybe the reason you're not going to get the job is not because I'm making assumptions, because it's not that important to me. Maybe it's not because I feel that you're transparent. Maybe it's just because of your freaking attitude when you say it's none of your business. I don't want to have people working for me that uh, the answer to every third question is going to be none of your business. By the way, there are other ways to say none of your business. You can simply say, the reason I took those years off or, or those three years are for a personal reason. Right now, I don't feel comfortable talking about it. I hope you understand. Think about how different that sounds. You know, put yourself again in the shoes of, uh, in, in the place of, of the hiring manager. And, and you are wondering about this gap year. And my answer to you, it's none of your business. That's not an attitude you want to hire. But what if I said it's personal, it's a personal reason. I can assure you it has nothing to do with my professional qualifications. It's just, it's so personal, I don't feel comfortable talking about it. You know, as a candidate, don't take the attitude of you, you deserve a job. You know, back in 99, the Silicon Valley, that, that was the attitude that every candidate took. I deserve a job. I mean, you'll be lucky to have me. 
don't ever take the attitude. Even when when there there's you're the only candidate and and companies are are pursuing you left and right, don't ever take the attitude of uh, you would be lucky to have me. Even if they will. You know, you can just tell them that it's personal. It has nothing to do with my personal uh, professional qualification. But still, you are ignoring the fact that they're thinking something, that they're making an assumption. You know, I, I told you when, when I gave you the, the advice as a hiring manager, I told you uh, what is the reason that uh, or what would be a reason why this gap year would be a disqualifying factor? How about now I'm going to turn it around, you as a candidate, how about you ask the hiring manager, what reasons for those gap years in my resume would disqualify me? Let, it's, it's a lot easier for me to say, uh, I'm going to rule those out, then I'll tell you what really happened because that's that's really personal. And, and maybe they're going to say, uh, well, the, the only thing that concerns me about those three years is if you worked for a competitor of ours. Then you can say, well, if that's the only reason, I did not work for a competitor of yours. I can tell you that. I can promise you that. I can guarantee you that I did not work for a competitor of, of yours. Then you address their concern without telling them what you did in those three years. And, and you know, <laughs> if they continue to push and ask and and they're not willing to take it's personal as an answer maybe that's not the right manager for you to work for i know that uh, if if a manager i would ever work for would not accept it's personal as a reason as an answer and would keep on pushing and keep on pushing they're not willing to see my side. They're not willing to care about me enough. That's not the right person for me to work for. You know, in, in general, openness, transparency, allowing the line between your personal and professional uh, lives to blur, it promotes trust that your manager, that your future manager, your hiring manager would have in you. you you're starting the right way. You don't have to. I, I'm, I'm not advocating to, you have to be 100% transparent. No. Whatever you do, don't lie. Don't make up what happened in those three years. Keep it as personal. You know what? Frankly, I would prefer to say what happened in those three years is something I'm not very proud of. It's not a period of my life that, that I want to go back to. But I don't really want to talk about it. I would understand if that would be a reason for you not to hire me. By the way, just by saying that and saying it that way, you're increasing the probability of being hired. But if you lie, this will come back to bite you. This is what I believe. I, I believe that... we. Even if you lie and you get away with it, at some point it's going to come back to bite you. You know, one of the reasons I don't lie is because I frankly, I don't remember what I said and to whom. I talk a lot. 
And I don't remember what I said and to whom. I don't want to be faced with saying one thing to one person and another thing to another person. So I don't lie. But that's me. When I look at my, my relative trust model, I can see that we're touching almost every component in, in that trust model. As a candidate, you want to be trusted. And you want to be trusted really, really fast because uh, the decision is coming long before somebody gets to know you. It's, it's a mistake to assume that hiring a person is based purely on competence. It isn't. And it shouldn't. Personality compatibility will play a major role. That line between professional and personal lives, that line is blurred and it is okay. At the same time, you need to keep in mind what your attitude is. And if your attitude is an attitude that, uh, you know, you have all the rights in the world, this is not about your right. Yes, you have the right to keep this confident and you have the right not to disclose it. This is not about that. This is about the attitude in which you, that, that you present. This is about presenting an attitude that says uh, none of your business, which is what the original post was on LinkedIn that made me respond to that. <laughs> Those words really, really started me up. As a hiring manager, you have to keep in mind the asymmetry of the situation. You are in a different place. You control the candidate's ability to earn money, at least with your company, with the job that, that you're offering or hiring for. So you have to keep that in mind when you ask questions such as, uh, okay, so what was it? What did you do those three years? You have to keep in mind that you're not going to get the, volu the voluntary vulnerability that comes with, uh, with trust and over time. Uh, don't confuse that with involuntary vulnerability that comes from the asymmetry of the situation. Another component is empathy. For both of you, whether you're the hiring manager or whether you're the candidate, uh, you have to keep in mind that there are two sides to every story. There are two perspectives on, on that question. You know, there was a study in 2017 that showed that uh, over the last 51 years in English-speaking countries, the level of uh, individualism, which is really the world revolves around me, I don't have to worry about your side, went up 60 to 69% in practices and values, respectively. You know, can you say this is all about me, about me getting this job and, and, and uh, it's none of their business, the hiring manager's business? Yes. Do you mind that you may have lost a job because of it? Yeah, you do. You do mind. You, you're not going to be able to sue somebody. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of how will you be able to prove in court that the reason you were not made the offer was because you did not explain three year gaps, a three year gap in your resume. You're never going to be able to, to prove that in court. So do you care? Empathy. There are two sides to every story. It's your ability to see things from the other person's perspective as if you were them, not you. As a candidate, it's your ability to consider the hiring manager's perspective as if you were them. As a hiring manager, it's your ability to consider the candidate's side and their personal space as if you were them. 
Of course, then comes the component of time. That trust is not going to be built initially. Maybe that vulnerability will come in with time because, you know, it will... Trust comes with time. The more time you spend with the person after you hire them or after you got hired by them, the more you're going to build trust. It's actually going to accelerate positivity. It's not time by itself does not build trust. It accelerates positivity or negativity. And then it leaves us with intimacy. Say what you mean. Your body language will say a lot more than your words would. I hope this addresses the issue anyway. This is my perspective on the issue. May trust be with you. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.